What's up, everyone? My name is Jess Grace Garcia, and I am a worship pastor, music producer, filmmaker, and boy, do I love to watch sunsets. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, what uh, do you like to uh, watch? Obviously, that's what I was talking about. Where's your head at, Jack? Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) We love a good sunset. Sunset. (laughs) And you are? I'm Jack Bates, drag queen, theologian, comedian, And when I was in high school youth group, the pastor told us that we shouldn't masturbate because what if Jesus came back and the thing he caught us doing was masturbating? Oh, my God, really? At the time, I was like, oh, my God, you're right. And it worked like 0.1% of the time to dissuade me from doing that. (laughs) But I'm just like, you know, I would be okay with that. (laughs) God gave me what God gave me for a reason. They like that I take pleasure in it. And you know what? I think they like to watch too. <laughs> you know, being omniscient, they don't I really mean, have a choice. <laughs> right? It kind of just makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a choice, but sometimes I bet they wish they did. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love that so much. So I think we're kind of alluding to what we're talking about today. And what is that, Jack? We've got a strong theme today. We're talking about voyeurs and exhibitionists. Mm-hmm. And how do you identify? I am hardcore an exhibitionist, although I like to watch a little bit, but mostly I would rather be included. Uh, maybe this is another reason why we're such good friends i am definitely a voyeur Mm. like i would probably i i definitely love to be in the mix and be involved but i have a strong inclination to being a voyeur and i'm finding that out more and more so (laughs) as my wife likes to say are you just watching you creep She's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> Jesus. I'm just like you. <laughs> Wait, so what are like the ideal viewing conditions for you? Like when you watch, what do you like to see? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. Uh, that's such a whew, question. <laughs> like with your wife, is it like when she's doing anything? Yeah, I definitely like if she's there are times where I want to just enjoy watching her like come and i think that's one of the things that's enjoyable about um giving oral is like a lot of times people i know my wife um like gets into a whole other universe like she bends her head back and she's like somewhere else you Mm -hmm. know and getting to watch that is so enjoyable like it's part of what makes the whole thing awesome and sometimes i just enjoy watching a person masturbate Mm-hmm. that I'm either with or whether it's porn, you know, sometimes I just enjoy watching someone and enjoy themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, but also I think in general in life outside of sex, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a voyeur, which is funny because I'm such an extrovert and I enjoy talking to people. Um, but I do, I've kind of gotten the art down of like observing 
without being creepy and then being able to kind of like take it in and go, okay, I know what this person's all about. Okay. Now I know how to interact with them. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, but yeah, I would say I'm definitely switch when it comes to this. Like I'm switch in a lot of ways. I'm burst in a lot of ways. And I feel like this is one of them for sure. Like I can go from taking complete enjoyment of watching to just being thrown in the mix, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't feel like, I'm missing out on something if I'm just watching. Mm-hmm. It's its own experience on its own. And I don't feel like I'm missing out on watching if I'm involved. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you said you're hardcore and exhibitionist. How does that manifest for you? Yeah, I think part of it is that I enjoy being naked in front of partner partners or scantily clad. Mm. Um. I I like having sex in semi-public sort of situations like bathhouses, kink clubs, that sort of thing. And especially when I can like draw a crowd with what I mean, small crowd. Let's not get crazy. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm definitely <laughs> like that in real life. So I definitely identify with that. I uh-huh. haven't had the opportunity in sex to do that too much until the past couple of years I've noticed, and I would say even the past year, how much I enjoy um, the public display of, mm-hmm. of affections, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where mostly my girlfriend's like, because she's still new to it. It's like, it's like, <laughs> like <laughs> pushing me away as I like grab her ass everywhere we go. <laughs> yeah. That brings up an interesting point. Like the, kind of similarities and differences between PDA and like uh, exhibitionism of like a more overtly sexual nature Mm -hmm. because I'm like medium low into PDA. That's so funny. I think part of it is like having experienced situations in which I was not safe because of visible queerness that PDA in like a non-queer context in some ways feels more vulnerable and definitely less safe than like fucking a stranger in front of other strangers in a queer sex club. I think that makes perfect sense. I realized that that's supposed to make someone maybe laugh a little bit or whatever. Like, Oh, that's kind of funny. But the truth is, that makes complete sense to me. Like the way that it feels to be in a space, like even if we, if we scale it back a little bit, like a a space like WeHo Mm -hmm. and be surrounded by other queer individuals. Like I could give two fucks what I'm wearing, what I'm doing or how I'm interacting with the person. Like I know that I'm safe. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm not going to be judged. Um, and less about judgment. I know that I'm not going to be hurt. Right. Yeah. Although even there, it's sort of like, they're kind of islands of safety. And when we're outside, um, we're probably more safe than in most places. Yeah. But still there is a good amount of queer bashing that goes on on the streets of WeHo. That's true. Yeah. I just feel like it's definitely different than, um, walking down a random street in downtown LA, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really interesting, but I agree, like going into like a sex club of some sort or a kink situation, like party, um, 
there's so many, at least for the ones that, um, that I've heard about, like there are so many layers of things you have to do to even get in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they create kind of this really safe cocooned environment. Like homophobes trying to start shit. Like they'll come to the streets of WeHo, but they won't like come in, you know, like the Eagle or like another leather bar, kink bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I know a lot of our listeners are straight and I think it can be hard to understand just how much of a difference specifically queer spaces make for us, but yeah. it's night and day difference. Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. It's like, I'm sitting here going, how do I explain this further? You can't like, it's really hard to explain unless you're in the other person's shoes, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot of us have been in quote unquote straight shoes because we, pretended to be straight for a while so we know the difference between what it feels like to be in that privileged bubble versus not yeah i was in a straight presenting relationship for a long time and i never had to worry about being harassed for pda with my then like different gender partner mm-hmm like, it just wasn't a thing. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this on the podcast um, this week, and maybe I won't to a full extent, but I was just thinking about safety and how sometimes we feel like we're safe even in what feels like the safest places, mm-hmm. um, like relationships with family. And, um, sometimes those aren't safe. Um, sometimes they're great, you know, or, or friends. And then sometimes we get surprised. And like this week I got a message, um, from one of my family members that I trust and that I feel have felt safe with for a very long time that, um, just, I had no walls up and it hit me really, really hard. Mm. Um, and it had to do with gender um, and not believing in anything other than two genders. And I didn't know how much to believe what they were saying or if they were just overreacting. But even in, in that setting, um, as a, as a queer person and as a gender queer person, um, I was just susceptible <laughs> to this attack mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have had to deal with if I was uh cis and, um, <laughs> not queer. I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that shit from a family member. Yeah. It sucks. I I don't think I've let myself like fully emotionally process it yet. Um, I cried a little bit yesterday when telling, um, my business partner, Evan about it. Um, and I, I haven't even like told my wife because I know that it would upset her so much. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just something that is, um, I know that so many people who listen can identify with, um, feeling like you've created some sort of, you know, uh, circle of trust 
or whatever, but because of this, this thing that is different about you compared to the majority, um, it makes you susceptible for attack and, and it sucks when people choose to go there, you know, mm-hmm. but anyway, it's, I, it was just interesting us talking about, you know, it's a little bit of a tangent, but you know what? We like to do that. We like to like <laughs> dive into the, the hardships and, and not avoid them, even if we are talking on after dark, but those things that we're talking about like voyeurism and exhibitionism are these really vulnerable topics, you know, like we can playfully and um, in a fun way, talk about them. But, but the truth is, is that it's this really vulnerable thing. Mm -hmm. And um, that's part of what makes it a bit exciting, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But safety is a huge part of that. And I think like, talking about safety as a whole is an important part of our queer experience. Um, and for those that are straight, um, I think the women in our audience can understand that a bit more, mm-hmm. um, just from their, uh, our experiences, <laughs> um, as, as, as women, even just going into a club and showing just a little bit of skin. I remember I was in, um, a club, uh, for, or I guess, yeah, I guess it was a club um, for a festival, music festival. And I was working and I had uh, like was wearing like the most barely butch like outfit, like a T-shirt and jeans and and mm-hmm. like overalls. Um, and I a little bit of my skin was showing when I bent over the bar and some old creepy guy decided he was going to run his finger along along my skin on my back. And oh, um, I was so shocked that he even touched me, that it had even happened, that I ha- I didn't have my like rough exterior response. I was mm-hmm. like, what the, what, what the fuck just happened? Like, mm-hmm. um, and felt really uh, unsafe mm. from just what seems like a little um, step over the line. But it's actually a major step. Like you came, you, a stranger came into my space and touched my body and I did not invite you in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's appealing about something like exhibitionism is that you are in control. Like you're the one that is choosing what you are sharing with a crowd or a person or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Or an online audience. Yeah. Whatever it is, uh, I I feel like we since you're a huge fan of exhibitionism, I'd be curious what your thoughts are when it comes to that. Like, do you feel like that's what's appealing? Because to me, as kind of a control freak, I feel like <laughs> control is a little bit appealing when it comes to ex- exhibitionism. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I think a lot of it too has to do with the kinds of dynamics that we've been talking about that queer people experience. Like I think a big reason I'm attracted to exhibitionism is because for so much of my life leading up to and including now, it's been unsafe to like present myself for who I really am. Mm. And so like now when I have opportunities to do that, like it's exciting. It feels good. And exhibitionism of like a, a sexual nature is 
in some ways to me like on the like upper end of that sort of queer of this kind of queer liberatory experience i was just thinking about in relation to what you're saying i feel like one of the ways that i really enjoy being an exhibitionist is in is vocally like Mm -hmm. i know that the way that i sound when um i'm turned on or when i'm coming is really attractive i also know Mm -hmm. that my like my voice in general is an attractive voice i've had Mm -hmm. enough people confirm this um in like sexy ways as well as in kind of funny ways <laughs> like um and it's it's like it's like all right you're my friend calm down you know like <laughs> Jess you could tell me stories all night long <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> like I love telling stories I love telling sex stories and that's kind of like that was like a little bit of why we started this podcast was because I knew that my voice was enjoyable to listen to and I was like okay mm-hmm. like enough people have told me this like I can't ignore it any longer right like I'm gonna do it and and it's led me to the point where even a friend and I are considering starting um some something um whether it's audio erotica or or a podcast of some sort that um that is me telling sexy stories and um and we'll see how far that goes but like awesome yeah (laughs) but like the only reason why i'm considering that is because i enjoy that aspect of giving people a show and like um turning them on with my voice Mm -hmm. you know it's a funny thing to think about when it comes to exhibitionism, but I think it definitely falls in line with exhibitionism. Oh yeah, I think so too. Or some of the rest of us over here, like a sort of Gilbert Gottfried, like Fran Drescher sort of hybrid. <laughs> Nobody's listening to this podcast because it sounds my voice. <laughs> yes, you might people- like what I say. I- <laughs> guarantee you don't like how i say it (laughs) (laughs) i love your voice and i think like unique voices are why people listen to things too so i would push back on that a little bit (laughs) i appreciate that (laughs) so about voyeurism what what do you think draws us who are, are attracted to voyeurism to that like we talked a little bit about what draws us as exhibitionists yeah, that's a good question. I feel like the for me, the answer is that the Dom in me is super entertained with voyeurism. Um mm-hmm. because a lot of times there is some engagement when it comes to like telling um my partner what to do and mm-hmm. me getting to just watch. Um and them edging on wanting me to touch them and me teasing and saying like holding them out on me touching them. Um, that to me is like definitely a part of voyeurism that I really enjoy. Um, I think also I have quite the imagination. I really love, um, creating stories in my head as a filmmaker, um, as a songwriter, I'm definitely a storyteller. So, I remember there was a time um, when I was like, gosh, I must have been like 15 years old. 
I was hanging out with the the senior. Oh, I might not have even been 15. I might have been 14. I was hanging out with the seniors and it was kind of exciting because I was a freshman. And we went to a drive-in movie theater and we were all in um, the back of a truck. Um, and the car in front of us um, was starting to steam uh, up the windows in the back. Um, we hadn't really <laughs> noticed until all of a sudden a hand hits the back window and smears across the back of the window. Oh my God, like in Titanic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And I was the one that noticed it first and I started dying, like laughing and was just like, guys, 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 look, look, look. You know, and we were just so entertained by it. And I'm sure that we were all these like high school you know, Christian high school, like aged kids who like were completely like squashed for, for sexual entertainment were uh, probably like, ha, like, <laughs> like what could be happening in there? You know, <laughs> cause it was one of those tinted windows. So uh, we couldn't really see anything. And I was, I have no idea what movie we watched, Jack. I, the only thing I remember about that night. Well, um, it sounds like you watched Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I remember is that experience from mm-hmm. that night. And that, and I had so many stories in my mind about who and what um, was taking place. Um, and uh, so, I don't know, for me, that's definitely one of the parts of voyeurism that, that I enjoy is if I only know so much and, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of creating the, the rest of the story for myself because most of the time it's going to be more entertaining than the reality oh, right, right, right. <laughs> boring cis hat sex yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly do you remember any of those like ways you filled in the gaps like i want to get a peek into like young jess's idea of like her ideal voyeuristic experience mm. I'm certain that I probably figured it was a straight couple, but um, I wasn't entertained by that idea. <laughs> and um, and I remember because in that same in that same year, there was a series that came out um, that was filmed in my hometown, um, and the a uh, chick who played uh Shane in uh the L word um also was in this this series and all it was was a summer like series and um they played a trans dude or at least they played back in the early 2000s it was more like they played a chick who pretended to be a dude in order to like get through school or whatever and it was like obviously not that mm-hmm. um and i'm pretty sure that in my head I made one of those people this um this person um and um and they were with a girl and um and like I had I think it's interesting to think of the fact that you've asked me this now is really like mind blowing <laughs> because I'm sitting here thinking how did I not know that I was under the trans umbrella <laughs> I knew I was queer. Like I knew it's 14 that I was definitely attracted to women, but like the fact that I didn't know that I was like gender queer when what I imagined was at 
the least a butch lesbian at the most a trans boy interacting with a girl mm-hmm. like is <laughs> <laughs> and like they definitely there was I don't know that I had enough imagination to imagine the actual sex. Um, and also I really enjoy like foreplay. I love teasing. I love grinding. And so I'm sure that like in my mind, um, maybe some clothes were taken off, but mostly there was grinding and making out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How chaste we were in our early lusts. <laughs> I bet they're getting Halfway to second place. <laughs> I know it's funny, but I'm I still kind of work that way. Like I, my wife loves to uh, tease me, but when, when, when we're in the middle of having sex about like, do you want my underwear off or no? Mm-hmm. Because I like not having access right away. I like, um, having to work to get it you know Mm -hmm. um and i don't know what that kink is but (laughs) like i also enjoy like penetration when it involves having to go around underwear as opposed to taking the underwear off Mm -hmm. um it's so interesting but yeah i'm not a huge fan of like oh let's just strip down and have sex i'm like no (laughs) i want to take it off i want to work for it (laughs) Yeah, I can identify with that too, to an extent. Like, I don't like just stripping down to nothing at the beginning. And I definitely like taking each other's clothes off instead of taking off our own clothes. Mm -hmm. Although I do like if I'm wearing a button down, like slowly teasing and taking it off. Like Mm. myself. Yeah. I do like making sure they're undressed first. And like maybe I take yes. maybe I keep some clothes on for a while. It's definitely like top energy. <laughs> Is that top energy? Because I do yeah. that for sure. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe we haven't learned this about each other yet. <laughs> I mean it's so weird that like both that and our exhibitionism, like they're both colored with like a dom sort of lens even my voyeurism is <laughs> yeah <laughs> everything we do we do is dom tops <laughs> i love talking about dom energy outside of sex it cracks me up like <laughs> it's one of the funniest ways to like when i'm talking to someone that's a little less comfortable with the sexuality um, and talking about sex in, in an open sort of way. And also our straight friends, because a lot of times they tend to fall in a similar boat. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love just like talking about, are you a sub? Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of sub energy right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're like, what? Why would you goodness why would you ask well like you asked me to like do this or that or i i offered to do this and this and this and this like it's just like i could literally take normal life examples and figure out probably what where you land dom or sub Mm -hmm. what do you think we should we should make a game of this what would the game be like i'm interested i know (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it has to do with 
would have to figure out a way of like kind of guessing from experiences what our friends are. That sounds really fun. I bet we would come up with the same answers on about like 95% of them. I bet you. Because yeah. I feel like it's really easy to read Dom or Sub off of people. I think like top or bottom for those for whose let me say it again. But like top or bottom for those for whom those dynamics like make sense and they experience those things. I feel like that's more difficult because like a lot of those stereotypes are not accurate. Like looking at me, for example. Right. Dress like a total bottom, talk like a bottom, <laughs> not that often a bottom. Whereas like a lot of these like like more mask for mask, like really, really muscular guys, like they take it as they take it more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Such power bottoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's um, that's a very real thing. Um, and now I want people to like totally reach out and be like, what do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> and be like, okay, I have questions. <laughs> How, what do you like to dip your fries in? Ranch or ketchup? <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? <laughs> Because my fiance, like, I love ketchup, and he (laughs) does not. He likes it dry. What? (laughs) The fries. The fries. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Just saliva is enough lubrication to get it down. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. <laughs> that killed me. Oh man. I love you, <laughs> What episode are we doing? <laughs> hey, Lavender Mafiosas. As we continue to make fun, sex positive, thoughtful queer Christian content, we're so pleased by how many of you invite us into your homes to spend some time with us each week. It's like we're part of the same queer, extended, chosen family. And I don't feel like we would really feel like family if I didn't beg you for money. So here goes. Uh, First, we really appreciate those of you who partner with us on Patreon already because we need your support to continue the work we're doing. And there are even more things that we want to do, like build a website, make Lavender Mafia merch, provide opportunities for community online in person and to make more podcast content for you all with what's been going on in our country lately with new threats to queer health and safety all the time it means more than ever to me to be doing this and i really appreciate those of you who've partnered with us to make it possible for us to keep doing this if you want to be one of these people please consider going to patreon.com slash mafia and signing up to be one of our patrons. Thanks, and don't fuck it up. Oh, yeah, I had a thing that I wanted to say uh, about uh, voyeurs. I think part of what can make it so hot is that a lot of us, especially who are repressed in our sexuality for years or decades, 
experienced it as such like a, a taboo thing. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the arousing sort of stuff for me was like not participating in it, but watching it like a lot through porn, but you know, like in locker room group showers, that sort of thing, like sneaking peeks, trying not to get caught, like the sort of excitement and fear mm-hmm. that go along with that. I feel like that like emotionally charges the sort of voyeur experience in a way that I still find exciting. And part of me thinks like, uh, like, Oh, sexualizing your trauma. Like that's weird. But like all of us have trauma, like it might as well get us off. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's why we've talked many times about the purity culture kink. Yeah. yeah. Cause that is definitely up that line, you know, like it's our experiences and it's kind of how we take back power in some ways. Yeah. I think so too. Like I would a hundred percent agree with the, you know, sneaking a peek or like letting your imagination run wild with an idea. I remember with my high school girlfriend, you know, we went to a small private Christian school and there were only so many nooks and crannies we could duck into to have moments, fleeting quick moments. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of communication and play that had no touching involved at all. And it was quick looks. It was the way, like, I remember she didn't wear underwear one day just to, like, surprise me with it. Mm-hmm. Um, or she wore a thong one time as well. And it was just, like, something she lightly flashed me with. And I never got, I didn't get to touch her. Or I, I had hours to wait till I could touch her. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And it was just for me. And there were so many quick just brushes of the hand or like slight slides up like the thigh. And then that was it. Mm -hmm. And like that moment of like just like connecting with her or knowing that what she was doing was for me definitely fed my voyeuristic tendencies, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um and then the the like thrill of that is so closely tied to fear um of being caught <laughs> is like whoo when you get away with it it's like exhilarating and um and so I think it was really it's interesting like I can still um enjoy that and try to put it in like a good healthy place (laughs) as an adult. Like it was a hard transition for me, definitely from going from uh, sneaking around relationship to a public relationship Mm -hmm. and then still finding joy in um, the comfortable, you know, the non fear based turns and turn ons. (laughs) Um, So there was transition for that. And I gave myself a few years away from that, but now it's like, it's nice to have, quick moments you know mm-hmm. like things that feel sneaky but aren't uh-huh. right yeah. and i feel like a good example of that would be with my girlfriend like we're still new in our relationship so it's still exhilarating it's still fun and not to say that me and my wife aren't exhilarating and fun we just have 
we find different ways of having that exhilaration, sure. right? Um, whereas in a new relationship, it's kind of built in, right? <laughs> and there are moments that I just like, you know, will grab a quick like kiss or, you know, a little feel up um, or like sneak a little touch of her nipple or something without um, my wife maybe realizing it. And then it's really funny because um, like earlier today, um, I she was coming out of the restroom and I was going in and I pushed her against the wall and started kissing her. And then um, my wife goes, ah, 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 that is not putting moisturizer on your face. That sounds like making out. <laughs> Which I mean, broadly construed. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really funny because like, it was this sneaky feeling thing where it's like you come out of the bathroom, I push you into the corner and I make out with you out of eyesight. Mm. But I knew my wife knew like we're not like hiding it. Right. Like it's still something right. she can hear. So it's just a, a fun moment to play into that, like play into my imagination and experience from when I did actually have to sneak around, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. when I was in high school. But yeah, it's interesting. I haven't really like thought about all the ways that exhibitionism and voyeurism kind of play into my life. We should probably do a whole other episode about like public and semi-public sex yes because it it feels like there's a lot there too yes i think i think we should definitely do that because like one of the things i like to do is think about like how does my desire for exhibitionism work out outside of sex like like i'm a Mm. performer right like i enjoy performing on a stage i enjoy when a crowd comes around me like you were talking uh-huh. about earlier but like in a humorous situation or like in a storytelling situation or in talking about sex and really making everyone blush like i love that you mm-hmm. know like that's fun for me um and then sometimes i really just like to like be a fly on the wall and really see how people interact with each other and like um maybe I'm noticing that there's someone introverted that's not really interacting with the group. And I'm like really drawn to how what's going on with them, like their mystery, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like it's just interesting and entertaining to me. So if you're not necessarily like a super sexual person um, right now in your life, I'd be curious how you think it manifests um, in your life outside of sex. Cause, cause it definitely can play a role. I mean, obviously, I have exhibitionistic tendencies outside, like, my sex life, uh, being a drag queen, comedian, that sort of thing, uh, doing public speaking about theology and stuff, too. I think for me, a lot of that represents an aspect of my personality that I didn't know was there, that I, like, repressed for most of my life. Mm. Because I was really quiet, like, painfully shy, pretty bad social anxiety for a lot of my life and uh a lot of that started to change pretty quickly after i came out and kind of embraced uh weird uh occasionally loud aspects of my personality like (laughs) (laughs) wanting to say like really ridiculous things loudly and be heard Uh (laughs) it's really liberating yeah you know know, that's a really good point because I've always been a performer, um, but uh, 
at some point, especially I would say the point at which I was fired for being a worship leader, mm-hmm. I started to like go behind the scenes because I felt a lot of fear of having a similar experience of being shut down, of being um, rejected. And eventually I started to just do like production aspects of things. And, and um, so I would produce or I would be behind the camera and filmmake and I didn't want to be in front of the camera. <clears throat> and it wasn't until this past year and a half, two years when moving to LA and like having um, God really lead me in the direction of um, taking on a worship leading position, I had to overcome a lot of that fear. Mm-hmm. And it was okay, I'll help with guitar. Okay. Yeah, I can sing. I can do that again. And then coming into a role at another church as well and doing, doing worship leading there that I really, seriously, I overcame so much fear of performance. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting about this past year when pandemic started, I had to like get on mic and actually record some video. And it was the first time in my entire life that I let myself be on camera Mm -hmm. um, for self-esteem issues, as well as that, just that fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. And um, it was such a liberating experience because I had let myself like be out and open in so many other ways of my life. Um, And this was one that I just hadn't quite overcome yet. And Mm -hmm. because of that step of letting myself get filmed for a music video, um, I started moving towards, you know, I was able to preach um, and I was able to um, take on leadership positions that meant that I was going to be up at a podium potentially to talk mm-hmm. about something, which made me nervous, but I was able to overcome some of that. I'm still overcoming that. And even mm-hmm. to the point where I was able to start a podcast and being on mic and not feeling like I had to edit every other word um, mm-hmm. in order to make it perfect uh, has been huge. Um, to the point where I was able to last month do um, a video uh, intro for a worship uh, night and I barely had to edit it because I was able to just comfortably talk on camera. Mm. So much of that healing came from me being able to realize like, what is the fear behind why I won't let myself um be on a stage, right? Mm-hmm. Like I still saw myself as a performer, but really wasn't like, I wasn't allowing myself to be in that vulnerable position. And now because of that public um, display of me overcoming things, it's actually started to show up in my self-esteem in the bedroom or in sexual act and in my enjoyment of like exhibitionism. Right. Because like when Mm -hmm. we started this out, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm more of a voyeur because that's been my answer for so long. And as we were talking, I'm realizing I love to tease my wife and girlfriend and like make them um, wait to have something that is of me and like show Mm -hmm. off my body Mm -hmm. um, and show off my skills in a way that I did not do a few years ago. And I think a lot of that has to do with these acts of overcoming in my day-to-day life. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. It's interesting. Mm. Do you feel like you've always, cause previous to being out as queer and to experiencing queer sex, um, 
do you feel like you were an exhibitionist previously? Oh God, no. <laughs> as near as the opposite that could be imagined. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this a bit in a uh, sort of confidence episode and when we've addressed themes like that, but like I used to be mortified by my body. Like I just did not know that I had a body that people could find attractive. Like I was in a long-term relationship, uh, see above re straight presenting relationship with somebody who didn't feel like it was like the proper Christian woman thing to do to like, express physical desire Mm. for me so like Mm. went most of a lot of my adult life yeah most of my adult life like not feeling physically attractive like even i hate that so much babe i hate that (sighs) thank you because you are so beautiful and handsome like like that's Mm. one of the things that you and i both i feel like share in our gender queerness is like we're Mm. Like some days you come in and I'm like, damn, you look sexy. Like, (laughs) and it's just, it's one of the things I love about you is you find this like medium ground of like being both beautiful and handsome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Like a lot of my life, people love me for my mind. Like I really appreciate like just being objectified. Right. (laughs) Love me for my body. (laughs) Go home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's there's some truth to that. Like, there's some truth to I was always the funny, like, person who, mm-hmm. like, everyone just loved my personality. And that's what I thought, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, yeah, you have a beautiful smile or you have great eyes. But that was it. And it felt so good to be acknowledged as fully handsome or fully beautiful, mm-hmm. like, in all of my body. Like when, um, my wife specifically is really good at lusting on me, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) like she'll be, she loves to have conversations with my boobs and I am not welcome or privy to those conversations. Interesting. Yeah. She'll, she'll be having conversation and then I'll say, I'm sorry, what did you say? And she said, I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) And then she'll look back at my boobs. I know. Right. That's exactly (laughs) what she's saying. Excuse me. <laughs> and so like, and then also like the way that she loves my tiny booty, um, <laughs> totally objectifies me in that way. Um, and, and I say that with quotes, right? Because like yeah, yeah, we yeah. know what we mean. Um, but it makes me feel so much. It's, it's helped with my confidence so much because I have such a issue with the fact that God stopped at my boobs. Like he like filled up real big on the boobies. Um, and then just forgot, like someone pressed the pause button and didn't kept, didn't keep going. Right. (laughs) (laughs) My brother has a booty. My sisters have booties. My mom has a booty. Something happened. Okay. In production. I don't know what happened. It's like a build a bear situation. There's only so much stuffing to allocate. (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah. And she just makes me feel she makes me feel really um attractive and mm. like like she wants to touch all parts of my body and like things like i am a furry human right like i am mexican and um and that has manifested in me being a furry human uh and mm. it feels 
like I started several years ago to just grow out my armpit hair and also my like leg hair. And um, that also feels really masculine to me, which feels really nice. Um, but I was always concerned that um, a, par- a partner wouldn't enjoy touching me if I was furry. Mm-hmm. And some of my um, things, a part of my body, like my lower back, my wife loves my furry little patch in my lower back or like <laughs> um, having a girlfriend, like finding another partner and being like, oh, I hope they're okay with additional hair or whatever. Uh, whereas my, I know my wife is. Um, but would someone else like, they love my personality. They think I'm hot. They think I'm sexy. But once we get under all the things, like, do they still want to be a part of that? And, um, my girlfriend like loves just like kind of like rubbing my leg or rubbing my inner thigh. And, and I'm like, there's something that just feels really good about not just, okay, you're rubbing my inner thigh and you're rubbing my leg, but like you're rubbing my furry, very natural body mm-hmm. and it feels really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're whole people, bodies and souls, and it's powerful to feel beautiful, to feel loved on both those sort of registers. Mm-hmm. I feel like my kind of religious background emphasized the like beauty of soul to the complete exclusion of the other. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that we should be like overly involved in our appearance but like but taking some care to like be attractive to be beautiful for your partner partners strangers around you like there's nothing wrong with beauty like god's beautiful and everything else beautiful shares in god by being beautiful well and i think taking it a step further and understanding that beauty is different to all different people Right. Like there's beauty in curves, there's beauty in stretch marks, mm-hmm. um, there's beauty in scars. Um, I feel like that's something I would love to like talk more about. Um, like, yeah, we're on a, we're on a kick as a society for body positivity and I enjoy a good part of that, you know, like, mm-hmm. because it's not something that I grew up with. Um, and I grew up with a mom who was on Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers most of my life, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it feels really good to be celebrated um, for my body and to also hear a doctor say, you're healthy. Even though most other people would be like, oh, you know, like maybe if you would do this, this or this, it would be better for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like sitting here going like, honey like it's not that i need to eat less it's that i don't eat enough like like (laughs) Uh please leave me alone right um and it just feels good to like like you said like a good balance of being loved for who we are as people um our souls and then also like loved for our bodies Mm -hmm. you know um and i don't know i want to do let's definitely do another Uh, maybe it's another queer confidence episode. Maybe it's a talking about how we've treated our bodies as a temple, Mm -hmm. but I would love to talk about that more for sure. Yeah, me too. Because, and I think it's natural that that would come up when it comes to voyeurism and exhibitionism, because there are definitely steps that have to have been taken, um, to get there. Like, Mm -hmm. like you said, like, you really struggled with even knowing that your body was beautiful or attractive. So you were not an exhibitionist. I struggled with feeling confident enough to be 
on camera or like up on a stage and be judged. And then in working on those things, I was able to be more confident in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so those it's very closely tied, you know, cause I think like sometimes voyeuristic tendencies can come from a perspective of, I don't think I deserve to be up there. I'm imagining myself yeah. in their shoes. I'm imagining Absolutely. myself doing what they're doing to that person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and to certain extents, that can be a fun thing to do, mm-hmm. fun, healthy thing to do. And in other extents, it can be unhealthy because we don't think we deserve to be there. Right. right. Um, and in balancing and working on our own mental health and our own body positivity journey and our own confidence and our own queer confidence, we're able to kind of find out what, where is that healthy like line for ourselves? Cause everyone's mm-hmm. different. Right. Yeah. It makes me curious about, our listeners and maybe how they feel in their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's a little deep and, and but that's kind of what we do here, right? Like yeah. I want to hear people's stories about how you feel in your body. I know some people deal with still understanding what their feelings are. Like how, how is my body manifesting feelings right now? Right. Mm -hmm. Because we've been shut down so much, like especially those of us that grew up in conservative evangelical spaces. Yeah. We've been shut down so much. And like to be an adult and all of a sudden be in tune with what our body is doing is an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. And and I'm sharing mine with you and I'm sure I have plenty of other stories, but I would love to hear from our listeners um some of the experiences they've been through. Yeah, or like experiences you're looking forward to having again because it is a hard time to be a voyeur or an exhibitionist. Like, That's true. It's hard to show things <laughs> off when like you're fully quarantined for 18 months. <laughs> I feel like the people that did excel in that are those that like started up OnlyFans accounts or mm-hmm. like did more exhibitionist um, uh, experiences or engaged in voyeurism um, by watching um, someone perform um, online. You know, like that's probably a whole other element of things that we didn't even touch on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, early in pandemic, I was invited to a a virtual orgy and I didn't end up going because the pandemic had like not gone on that long. And I just thought, "Mm, that's not as good as the real thing. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure nothing is. I'm sure it's definitely not as good, but it might have its own element that yeah, yeah. is different. I mean, I think there's ways in which comparing the virtual to real life is like just not constructive. Right, exactly. Or that maybe pandemic going on for so long, it awakens us to some positives of the virtual over the real. We should talk about that in another yes look at us coming up with topics all on our own (laughs) (laughs) all in one episode well um i've really enjoyed talking about um voyeurism and exhibitionism with you jack oh yeah i'd love to show off what i got (laughs) cut to 30 minutes from now we're both like out of breath (laughs) i mean i might get exhibitionistic uh it's getting a little warm in the studio (laughs) nip slip Planned. Ooh, yes, awesome. 
If you do have a story that you would love to share with us, please um, check us out on Instagram or Twitter at LavMafia, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A. We would love to hear from you. And if you love what we're doing and want us to keep doing it, I hope you'll consider going to patreon.com slash LavMafia and becoming a patron. We're starting to add benefits to backers. All kinds of benefits. You don't even know. A patron with benefits. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, beautiful babes. Be fierce. Keep the faith. And don't fuck it up. Our amazing music is written and produced by Evan Coles of Springwood Productions. Speaking of Springwood, I just want to thank them for recording, mixing, and producing our audio. Without them, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Springwood is made up of passionate creatives who are really easy to work with and professional, and they really know their stuff. So if you need anything like video or audio production, or they can really do anything to help your music or business. Like they got me Taco Bell one time, for God's sake. So go check them out at springwoodproductions.com. 